hello, and welcome to Things That Make You Go Woo. I'm your host, Emily Barnard, also known as Emily and Her Stars. I'm a medium, an astrologist, an Akashic Records reader, an artist, and an all-around just silly and curious gal. In this podcast, I'll be sharing the things and people I find fascinating, funny, and inspirational. Things that I hope will certainly make you go woo, too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. Many people associate specific colors with specific holidays. For example, red and green for Christmas, pink and red for Valentine's Day, and the most notable of all, black and orange for Halloween. Now, you might be able to see why black makes the cut as a Halloween color. Bad people in horror films are always wearing black, and creepy things tend to happen at night. But who would consider orange a scary color? Orange is kind of a fun color. It's the color of pumpkins and orange juice and friendship. And yet on Halloween, the color goes creepy. So today, I wanted to take a closer look into the history behind Halloween and black and orange. Now, humanity has always had a special relationship with color. On a purely physical and scientific level, color is the interaction between our eyes, photoreceptors, and different frequencies of light. But the emotional meaning of color is so much more than that. For example, red can mean passion and energy, power, sexuality, can even be used to warn and signal caution. Yellow can mean happiness and optimism, but it too can signal caution and has even been shown to trigger uneasiness and induce anxiety. White is known to be a color of purity and innocence, cleanliness, but it can also appear cold, boring, and is even used to describe white lies. Every color has a unique meaning to each of us as individuals and even the culture we live in, and those meanings can shift and change over time. Black is one of the best examples of a color's meaning shifting. It's one of the easiest colors to create, and it makes its entrance into the scene near a humble Spanish village where we find the Altamira Caves. Now, the paintings inside these caves are estimated to have been created somewhere around 34,000 to 15,000 BC. These paintings aren't just the first examples of humans making art, but they are also the first known examples of humans making black pigments. The cave artists used both charcoal and manganese together to create their black coloring, as opposed to the paintings of a similar age in France that contain only manganese in their pigment. It's also important here to remember that humans were almost certainly creating art that predates the cave paintings. It's also probable that art with black markings would have been among humanity's first attempts at painting, right? After all, when you make a fire, you get the added benefit of creating ash and charcoal. Sadly, any such examples are truly lost to time and left to our imaginations. Moving on in history, we come yet again to my personal favorite region of Mesopotamia and the Sumerian civilization. 
The Sumerians are particularly noteworthy in the history of the color black because the people of Sumer referred to themselves as, and I quote, black-headed ones. The term might refer to their hair color or even the color of their skin, but either way, it marks a big moment for the color black, right? This is the earliest full text dating back to 3500 BC, and that would make it almost 5,000 years old now. There's so much we don't know and understand about their culture, and the black-headed ones are ironically shrouded in mystery to us. Now, ancient Egypt comes along, and it too held black in high esteem. Now, the most notable use of black in the Egyptian culture can be seen in their depiction of Osiris. This Egyptian deity was held as the ultimate judge of the dead and ruler of the underworld. He shouldn't be seen as a terrifying death god, though. He just, he didn't just judge the dead. He also held out hope for life after death. And the color of his skin? Osiris was typically depicted with black or green skin. This is the first place where we see the association between black and death, and it continues through much of the ancient Egyptian culture. Anubis, another god associated with death, was portrayed as black-skinned. We also see how black is tied to life, with similar color attributed to Bastet. Now, she was one of the most worshipped deities in ancient Egypt, and this black-skinned goddess was associated with women, fertility, and of course, cats, black and cats. Yep, there's a whole nother episode. But something fun to keep in mind this season about how the color black and cats first were tied to each other. Speaking of which, if you haven't yet watched the Netflix documentary, Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb, it's a very interesting look into the history of cats in Egypt. Anyway, side note. The ancient Egyptians typically created black paint using charcoal, but they had this one extra twist that ended up merging black with the color death. You see, their black pigment would sometimes contain burnt animal bones. Oh, those Egyptians, I tell you. So for now, I'm going to do a little sidestep into astronomy as we prepare for the next cultural shift. Due to the tilt of the earth, the sun does not rise and set in the same place on the horizon throughout the year. Our sun rises farther south on the horizon in the winter and further north in the summer. The days when the sun rises and sets directly due east and due west are called equinoxes. Now we have one in the spring, the vernal equinox, and one in the fall, the autumnal equinox. In modern times, we call the summer solstice the first day of summer, which is actually a little odd because it actually marks the longest day of the year and the point at which daylight hours start getting shorter. However, ancient cultures like the Celts in the British Isles and the Shinto societies in Japan marked the beginning of the seasons in a different way with cross-quarter days. Now, these are the halfway points between equinoxes, and we still kind of have cross-quarter day celebrations in different cultures around the world. For instance, Groundhog Day on February 2nd, May Day on May 1st, Yama's Day on August 1st, but Halloween on October 31st is probably the most famous of all cross-quarter days. For the ancient Celts of Britain, these cross-quarter days were roughly the dates for the beginnings of their seasons, and Samhain, meaning summer's end, 
was celebrated at the end of October every year, marking the end of the harvest season and the transition between summer and winter. Understandably, the Celts approached winter, like many do above the 49th parallel, with trepidation as it ushers in the return of long, cold, dark months. Samhain was like their own sobering version of New Year's Eve. They believed that on October 31st, the line that separates the living from the dead was blurred, a thinning of the veil, if you will. The boundary between the two was weak and the dead might accidentally find a way to return to the living. The festival was called Samhain and the Celts would gather together not only to honor the dead, but to also ward them off. After all, they couldn't allow the dead to roam the earth and return here from the spirit world. People would light bonfires to ward off the ghosts, but they also did one more thing that might interest you. They wore costumes. Yes, the Celts wore costumes to help them ward off these wandering spirits. Get ready for the next surprise. The costumes had to be black because it was vital that the dead were honored. The dead were loved ones. These people had to be respected even in this state. Black is the color of mourning and the color that let these ghosts know that we, the living, still cared for them. It is also important to point out here, technically the true cross quarter day is November 7th, one week after October 31st. However, a feast called All Martyrs Day was celebrated on May 13th. The celebration was established by one of the many popes the world has seen. In this case, it was Pope Boniface IV. And it happened all the way back in 609 AD. It was a dinner that everyone celebrated to honor Christian martyrs. It was moved from May 13th to November 1st by Pope Gregory III in 835 AD and officially named All Saints Day. No one really knows why this happened. Some believe it was because Gregory was trying to align All Saints Day with Samhain, some think it was related to Germanic influences. Regardless, the holidays commingled, creating All Saints Day or All Souls Day. And sometimes All Saints Day translates to All Hallows Eve, which you can see becoming Halloween, right? <laughs> Costumes were still worn at this time, but it definitely included more Christian motifs like saints, angels, and devils. The celebration still took place at night and a lot of black was worn. You can see where all the ghouls and monsters came into the picture and Halloween is now at this point starting to get even more interesting. Okay, but I have another question. When did black become a color that meant to honor the dead? The truth is the idea that black honors the dead isn't really universal. This idea came out of Western culture and appears to date back to Roman times when the death of a loved one was honored with black. It told everyone else that someone was mourning. The color was worn for months or even up to two years after the passing of a loved one. And this became an elaborate ritual when much later Queen Victoria mourned the death of her husband Prince Albert for 40 years. 
This inspired other Victorian widows to wear black and for anywhere between one and two years after the death of their husbands. It was also considered proper for a Victorian widow walking out in public to wear a mourning bonnet or a black crepe veil over her face for the first six months. Widowers, on the other hand, were expected to mourn their wives for only between three and six months and were pretty much able to go on with their lives wearing their everyday suit as long as it was a dark color. In Eastern cultures, white is worn to honor the dead and is used for another reason. Some of these cultures believe that death is a doorway towards reincarnation or the possibility of reincarnation. White symbolizes life and rebirth. Red has also been used to celebrate and honor the dead in several countries in Africa. Red is used because it symbolizes blood. That's pretty strange when you consider China bans red from their funerals because red is associated with happiness. <laughs> it's clear white didn't make the cut regarding Halloween. Western society didn't see death in this fashion. I mean, sure, people might go to heaven after they died, but it wasn't a sure thing. There was a darker possibility as well. I mean, when things are 50-50... It's easy to see why people in Western cultures weren't as positive about what might happen to loved ones after they passed. Now, for a fun fact, I also wanted to dive into the belief that witches always wear black. In the 1978 book, Witchcraft for Tomorrow, one of the founders of modern Wicca wrote, the traditional attire of witches is generally believed to be nudity. <laughs> But mainly in witchcraft, the color black is often associated with removing hexes and curses. The color itself absorbs negative energy, just as it absorbs light from the sun. This is a color that is very useful to warding off negative vibes. If you're an empath, you should really consider a black head covering or just carrying a black scarf. It can protect you from the emotions and energy of people around you. You may have even seen older photographs of fortune tellers and gypsies wearing black head coverings because they believed it protected their energy and kept their aura safe. Now, this might not be a scarf you want to wear every day, but for an empath, the ability to avoid energy overload while in a crowd is essential. I'm just saying, sometimes it's nice to take a black hat to a concert. In some cultures, black is known to remove discord and confusion. It reveals the inner truth of ourself and the people around us. Some say that we are our truest selves at night, and since black is associated with night, it makes sense for black to also be associated with truth. So if you are a witch whose life is chaotic or you're surrounded by liars, Wearing a black dress might help you make sense of everything. Essentially, help you cut through the BS and reveal the truth of a situation, much like a judge wears black in a courtroom. If you want to dive into the truth behind pointy hats, brooms, and cauldrons, be sure to check out episode number one called What's Beer Got to Do With It to learn more about why witches wear what they wear. But for now, I'm ready to dive into the color orange. Now, orange isn't found in the history of Halloween, or at least that's what it looks like. Orange 
can't even be found in the colors used to mourn people in Western society, or any other society for that matter. So how in the world did orange get mixed up with Halloween? This is a slightly bigger mystery than black, but it's something you're going to love learning about. There are some people that say it was a natural pairing, since many of the celebrations included a bonfire, and fire does have an orange appearance, but that connection really hasn't been firmly established. What's more likely is that orange was naturally incorporated into the holiday because the holiday comes in the fall. Orange can be seen during autumn as the leaves start to change, almost as if they were kissed by the sun. Some say the color was incorporated into the holiday because it contrasted with black very well. You could believe that, but so does white. And there's no doubt that the fall colors played a part into it. However, it should be pointed out that many autumn-based festivals use orange in their celebrations. Some of these include things like Germany's Oktoberfest or the United States Thanksgiving. All of these celebrations have roots in harvest time, a time to be happy about everything you were growing for yourself and your community. Plant life turns yellow in color and people sometimes use orange to symbolize the entire season. People could have easily turned to yellow too, but for some reason, orange took the crown. It wasn't until Irish people started to migrate into the United States that the color really cemented itself into the holiday. And it was all because of pumpkins. And you know which pumpkins you're going to learn about, right? You're going to learn about jack-o'-lanterns. Now, some people think these pumpkins came out of nowhere, but they have a really rich history. Now, this may not be popular to say, but America has never been kind to the foreigner. Sure, the Statue of Liberty tells the world that America is kind to the stranger, but the truth is that most immigrants suffer and go through a lot of rejection. At some point, America began to accept the immigrant and their cultures, but it takes a while. Sometimes they do it by adopting their food, which is part of the reason French fries are so popular here, and the hamburger that came to America, even though it's really German. The same thing happened to the Irish in different ways. One way was through the jack-o'-lantern. The Irish would carve a face in a pumpkin during the fall in honor of Stingy Jack, hence the name. The funny thing is, the Irish didn't just use pumpkins to honor this so-called Stingy Jack. Some of them used potatoes or really any other turnip that was harvested around this time. It was in honor of Stingy Jack, but it was also to scare him away And it had nothing to do with the monsters and vampires associated with Halloween today. But you know how things evolve and there was no way the scary pumpkin wasn't going to become part of All Hallows Eve in the United States. For some reason, we Americans fell in love with the pumpkin and began to incorporate it into the Halloween holiday. Now, why were the Irish scaring off Stingy Jack? Who was this guy? It's actually an interesting myth and it had to do with the devil. You can see how this needed to be a Halloween story, even though the Irish weren't celebrating Halloween when the story came to be. So this guy named Jack invites the devil out for a drink, but apparently Jack didn't want to pay for it. Everyone knows that the person who invites you out to drink is the person who should pay for the drinks. 
You can already see that Jack was earning his stingy nickname, and he came up with a scheme to get the drinks without paying for them. He convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin so that he could purchase the drinks they were going to share. Now, the devil has never been the kind of guy to say no to a scheme, and of course, he agreed to this trick, except Jack fooled him. Jack's stingy nature got the better of him. When the devil turned himself into a coin, Jack placed the coin in his pocket next to a silver cross. The devil couldn't turn back into his demonic self again as long as he was next to that silver cross. And Jack couldn't bring himself to give up the coin just for a drink. He was much too stingy for that. Now, Jack did free the devil at some point, but not before the devil made a deal with him. The devil had to agree not to bother Jack for one year. On top of that, should Jack die at any point during this year, the devil couldn't claim his soul. This gave Jack one year of freedom, but the year would end eventually. And, you know, stingy Jack came up with another scheme by the time the year had ended. Apparently, the devil and Jack got to talking, and at some point the two came across a fruit tree, and Jack wanted some fruit. He asked the devil to climb and fetch a fruit, since climbing isn't a big deal for a demon with claws, and Jack quickly carved a cross in the tree, trapping the devil once again. The devil had to make another deal with Jack. This time... He was not to be bothered for 10 years. Only it didn't work out that way because Jack didn't have 10 more years of life in him. Not long after he made the deal, he died. But God wouldn't allow him into heaven. After all, Jack was so stingy, he sought to trick the devil so that he wouldn't be bothered by him. Jack was cast away from heaven, but the devil also kept his word. He didn't come up to claim Jack in those 10 years or any other time. Jack was stuck as a ghoul, roaming the forest with nothing but a burning coal that the devil had left him to keep warm. Jack had to carve out a turnip big enough to hold the burning coal, making himself a lantern that allowed him to see in the darkest hours of the night. If the Irish saw a ghostly figure with a lantern, then they knew who it was. It was Jack of the Lantern, or Stingy Jack. At some point, the name was shortened to Jack-O-Lantern. This is how Halloween may have gotten its association to the color orange, and it's also no doubt a really fun and spooky tale to tell. Orange is a bold and beautiful color that really tends to grab one's attention, It is the color of fire and autumn leaves. It's a color that doesn't necessarily have the same universal appeal as, say, red or black. In North America, it's most frequently connected to the autumn season. And even in Europe, where we associate it with things like agricultural harvest. It has religious connotations among some Protestants, especially in Northern Ireland. And it's even a royal color in the Netherlands. Countries in Central and South America view orange as one of the primary colors of nature. It's almost always associated with the earth and sun in terms of culture and religious practice. 
And with its fiery undertones, the color orange is often depicted in scenes where fire and sun are present. The deeper the shade, the more intense and setting. A blazing sun is thought to emit orange flames. And a crackling campfire is the pictorial definition of the color orange. In essence, anytime you're basking in the great outdoors, the color orange is likely to reveal itself. However, orange has a sneaky side effect. It actually is hallmarked for its appetizing appeal. The reddish yellow hue can trigger food cravings. Fortunately, these foods are generally healthy with oranges being one of the most popular. But during Halloween, we can instantaneously think of sugary treats as marketing has done its best to trick our minds into continuing to associate orange with sugar. The color orange can also offer security and strength. Unlike its neighbors on the color wheel, orange doesn't evoke physical or mental responses. Instead, it inspires us to lean into our emotional understandings, and by doing so, we dig deeper into our intuition. When feeling dispirited, find solace in the color orange. Clinging to its color can remind you that there is light at the end of the depressingly dark tunnel. Orange is known to uplift otherwise fallen spirits and is touted as one of the cheeriest colors and even the antithesis of darkness. I love the idea that this is why orange and black are united in Halloween. It's the idea that no matter what darkness we face, we can ignite an internal motivation of hope and positivity. It helps us look on the bright side and to remember that even in times of darkness there's still much to rise for i hope you have a wonderful halloween i hope you enjoyed today's episode be sure and share it with just a couple of your friends and let them know how much you love it and i'll see you next time bye-bye i hope you enjoyed today's episode of things that make you go woo You can help me out by leaving a positive rating and a review wherever you downloaded this episode. Be sure and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Emily and Her Stars. You can also reach out via email anytime, emilyandherstars at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Things That Make You Go Woo.